1: Top of the charts Tuesday, the last on Ball Don't Lie. Also, the last Ball Don't Lie on 104.9, the horn, and also the last day of the horn on 104.9. A lot of lasts going on, but that's okay. All right, end of one chapter, you start a new chapter. That's what life's about. All right, something's going to end, you got to keep it going. Forward is the only way to go. There is no other direction. You ain't going backwards, are you? Come on. So we're moving forward with the uh, the brand-new uh, lineup starting August 7th. That will be Monday, August 7th. Patrick Davis will be a huge part of it. He's going to do an uh, afternoon show, the Sports Conflict, from 5 to 7. That's going to be fantastic. I'll be uh, making sure that I tune in. Also, my man... Uh, uh, E. Hogan and I, we're going to do a morning show, 6 to 11. Uh, It won't be on 1049, but of course the horn continues. It'll be on 1019 AM 1260. And I know what you're saying. Oh, I hate that signal. That signal's terrible. I get it. Trust me. I'm not. (laughs) I I, I am not uh, someone who uh, listens to a ton of like terrestrial radio because usually I use streaming services. Yep. Um, as, but you can use the Horn app if you're going to stream. Whatever streaming streaming service you use right now, you can continue to use that. So you're fine. But if you use, you know, terrestrial radio, that's okay um, because 104.9 will be something else. The Horn will be on 101.9 and AM 1260 and I get your complaints about the signal and about the static and all that kind of stuff. And when the sun is down, they power down. We got They're, they're trying to boost some of that stuff. But the best advice that we can give you is stream it. It's crisp, it's clean, it's clear, it's money. All right? That's the best we can do. And after that, uh, you can go to hornfm.com and do it, too. But like I said, you can still hear it on 1019 AM 1260. 1019 works better up north. AM 1260 is pretty powerful, but it's AM. It's I a.m. Mean, it it's
0: a.m. And yeah, it'll power down at night because that's how the FCC requires a.m. Uh, a. signals to do a lot of times. Exactly. Uh, so it is what it is. The Specs text line will still be here.
1: Specs text line. So for there.
0: everyone who's texting in, you will still have the Specs text line available you to you uh, when we start back up on August 7th.
1: So I, I we realize we are also saddened because we're losing some friends uh, here at the station they were, and some fine uh, individuals Some some really... Uh, some really you know good people too um, good friends of ours who are great at their jobs and they'll be moving on I'm sure to bigger and better things hoping they land on their feet I'm actually rooting for all the sports stations in town because I want my, all my friends to land their jobs and get to uh, cultivate their craft and uh, this is something that a lot of those guys are really passionate about and I believe that they're going to end up landing on their feet um, so trust me follow those guys if you're fans of them we're following them too and we're rooting for them All right, so let's get to some Cowboys training camp news, notes, and nuggets because there's a lot to get to. So we'll try to go rapid fire here and hear as many as we can. Next segment, we'll jump back to the Steve Sarkeesian sound. And yes, we'll play the John Wick comment from Steve Sarkeesian. That's right. Sark is dropping John Wick references. Okay, Big 12 title then. I mean, if Sark's, I said when Quinn dropped the Quinn, when he dropped the John Wick reference, I was like, man, to me, that says Texas got a shot to go win a Big 12 title because they got that type of mentality. They got that swag. Now you got the head coach also making John Wick references. All right. This is going to be really, really good or really, really bad. It's okay. I'm, I think it's going to be more good than bad, but it could also go horribly wrong, which has happened to John Wick in some of the movies that I've watched too. <laughs> but John Wick finds a way to come back from that. Let's see if Texas will do that. Yeah, right. The comeback. That's what I'm waiting for. It is basically it's about John Wicks. It is about his comeback, technically. Yeah. That's what the movies are about. And that's what but we need comebacks, you know, fourth quarters. John yes. Wick good in the fourth quarter. And they got John Wick four.
0: They got John Wick Four. Boom. Now we're ready. That was the problem. <laughs> we only had three John Wicks last season. <laughs>
1: So they were channeling the, the third quarters, three quarters of John Wick and not the four quarters of him. Yes. I like where you're going here, Patrick. See? Aha. Uh-huh. Aha. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, let's see some Cowboys news notes and nuggets from training camp. Uh, real quick, uh, Sam Williams, the defensive end, now dealing with a shoulder injury. Um, he suffered a shoulder injury in yesterday's padded practice, a person familiar with the situation said some initial optimism, though, on the severity, but he will continue to be evaluated. But he suffered a shoulder strain is what they're calling it. Cowboys have had some injuries early on. Uh they had in some injuries to some key guy. Donovan Wilson's dealing with an injury. It's a safety position. Uh even the, the uh, their backup safety actually they had two safeties um dealing with injuries, a hamstring too, I believe, at one of their safeties. So Marquise Bell actually is getting a lot of reps at safety. So uh they've had some uh some guys get nicked up early on. Uh but the Cowboys are supposed to be a deep team. Um Mozzie Smith continues to get a lot of love. He one of his the best quotes I heard from Mozzie Smith, the first time I picked the Cowboys, he said, um, I don't even like football. I just like to hit people. It's a great quote. That's a good quote. It's a good quote. Yeah, I mean, I, I ain't gonna lie. That is a damn good quote. I'm gonna send you that because I got the audio. I'm gonna send you that because that's a good quote. You should just have that. I mean, in case he blows up and he's a that's, no, as especially good as for, to for be. an interior D line. Yes, man, exactly. Where you're like, you don't have to do a whole You're not dropping back in coverage. Nope. you're not doing. You're just you're just hitting people. Exactly. I only like football, man. I, this is the this is a sport that Casey Stutter said something like this, uh, something along these lines at one point because he's like, I like the fight. And basically, football is a 60 minute fight. Unless we just fight somebody for 60 minutes. It's the same guy lined up in front of him all the time. So I just get to fight and whip him. And sometimes, hey, they get the best of me, but it's just a fight. He wants to fight. And if you like to fight, if you're a likes to fight guy or gal, you've got to find a profession that is going to be constructive <laughs> for, you know what I mean? For that urge. If you like to fight. And that's what Casey started. He's like, no, I like to fight. I'm going to play yeah. football. get to fight somebody all the time. This guy likes hitting people. He don't even like football. He gets to hit somebody on every play. God bless you. Like I said, I, I could run fast and talk fast. It's my only talents I had, God bless me with, and I made careers out of them both. Lesson is, kids, figure out what you're good at. There's something you good at. Make a career out of it. like to hit people and you're good at it? There's somebody that will pay you to hit people. That's true. Somebody out there will pay you good money to hit somebody. Um, we also learned yesterday about the Ronald Jones, a suspension that he's going to be out for two games. Two games. I need start the season yes. for a PED suspension, and now the running back room for the Cowboys, it's looking a little, a uh, little, little, little fragile in my opinion. Just because you got Tony Pollard coming off the injury. Ronald Jones. I mean, he was a guy that you were hoping was going to provide you with some depth. You got Malik Davis, you got Rico Dottle. and you got Deuce Vaughn. Oh man, I, I like Deuce. I think Deuce is going to be great. But I don't. I don't think any of those guys, and that includes Tony Pollard, should be considered um, a every down main course back. And even Skip Pete, Tony Pollard's. Own coach last year said, "You don't want him to be that guy. You want him to shoulder the, the burden with someone." Yeah, and he's not—he's not the same. He's not the same explosive back when he's got to shoulder most of that burden as a as a ball carrier. Uh, Trevon Diggs back in action. We had the Bruce toe, kept him out, um, but he is adding some drills now, and he's get, kind of getting back to doing drills. He wasn't doing anything. He was just on the sideline at one point, but at least now he's back doing drills with that. Uh, Bruce Toe. But remember the, the secondary. They're, aside from the injuries they've had early on, they're deep at corner now because they got Deron Bland as their nickel. They traded for Stefan Gilmore. Still got guys like Nation Wright out there. Uh, you can move those guys around. Remember, Kelvin Joseph is still out there. We have no idea what Kelvin Joseph is going to do. Bossman Fats, as they call him. We didn't call him that because he didn't play well enough last year. Um, and they also love this uh, sixth round pick they got. Um, Eric Scott is his name. I believe it's his name. Excuse me. They really like him, too. He was a later round pick. Uh, Also, the uh, offense, the Texas Coast offense, apparently it is getting uh, a lot of attention because we want to know how it's going to look. CeeDee Lamb actually brought brought up a comment about the Texas Coast offense and about Dak, and he is saying, at least he's hinting, they're going to throw it deep a lot. This is kind of what he's throwing out there. Um, and he was on, we have this audio. He was on 105.3, I believe it was. Um, and we'll, we'll get into that, but he was talking about the offense and really how he, they're going to throw it deep more. And they said that when they brought in Brandon cooks, remember they said they'll bring in a speed demon so they could throw it deep more. And that may be a big, be a big part of the new Texas coast offense for the Cowboys as well. Um, I got I'll, the audio. You want to hear it? Yes, please. Thank you, brother. He's looking for the deep ball now. And, uh, Man, as you see today, is up there. So if you're not going to back up, this is a warning to everybody. If you're not going to back up, good luck. A warning. Better back up. They're throwing the deep ball. All right. When I, 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 I believe they are going to throw it deep more because Brandon Cooks is a legitimate deep threat, and he's a speed demon. And if Michael Gallup is healthy, they'll have the full complement of three wide receivers. Uh, and Dak actually is pretty good at throwing the deep ball. I mean, he actually is one of the better deep ball throwers in the NFL. And I, I've always said that you should throw the deep ball early and often. It does psychological damage even if you don't complete it. Uh, Sark certainly believes that. Um, but they they, they want to run a lot more play action. And, it, and usually, not always, usually your play action shots are typical vertical shots down the field. And if the Cowboys want to run more play action, which Dak is great at play action, So I think they're going to run more of it. That is where you may see some of those deep shots down the field. Um, Dak last year, out of his 17 interceptions, 16 of them came on straight dropbacks. He only threw one interception when he was utilizing play-action pass.
0: Yeah, and I mean, if you look at kind of how this running back room for the Cowboys is set up right now, defensively you figure they're not going to put big up-front lineups against them. Because you don't have a big guy coming at you, so you're going to mm-hmm. try and put more speed necessarily up front. So if you throw over the top, you can at least make that speed move backwards a little bit to give you a little bit more room for a Tony Pollard to break one or a Deuce Vaughn to break one. I think that makes sense. Of hey, we understand with the talent we have in the running back room that we're kind of working against it anyway.
1: Mm, that we
0: that. know that they they know that we don't have another option that we can we can't make them switch up rotations and then not substitute and. We know that they're gonna try and their game plan for us is probably gonna not involve necessarily a lot of big men. It's gonna involve a lot of quicker guys to get outside and, and play more linebackers and play stuff like that. So if we can go over the top on them, it makes all those linebackers take a few steps back.
1: Oh we have to. Yeah. Which
0: now means a little bit more vision for a Tony Pollard or a Deuce Vaughn and if they can get that vision to get past that O-line, you get past those original, those first guys, now that's how you can break a really big run. So uh, it makes sense in that sense in my head.
1: Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I think you uh, hit the nail on the head there. Uh, this could just be about using a pass to set up the run. Uh, and, and and for the Cowboys, they said they want to run the ball more. Remember, they ran the ball the seventh most in the NFL. So I think they want to run it more effectively. It's hard for me to think they're going to yeah. run it that much more. What are you going to be, Atlanta? I, I think the, the,
0: <laughs> the, the simple answer is they want less third and longs. Oh, my. That, that's that's the reality of the statement we're going to run the ball more, is we don't yeah. want to throw the ball twice on first and second. and I know. or Or have a second uh, run it on first for one yard and then throw it on second for third and then it's miss it and now it's third and nine. And we have no options.
1: I think that's what they mean more by it. That's a great point because I know you're just going off your eye test, but you are on the money. I got a stat for you here. Oh, just found it. Okay, how about this one? 43.7%. Remember that number, 43.7%. That is the number of Cowboys third downs that had at least seven yards to gain. That is third and long officially. So 44% basically of all of their third downs. But third and long. And I'll give you another stat to accompany that. Here's another stat to accompany that one. And relating back to Dak's interceptions, he had 17 of them total, 15 in the regular season, 10. How about this? You can look at uh, his interceptions, 15. All right, 15 of his interceptions were in situations where the Cowboys needed at least 10 yards to gain for a first down. And eight of his interceptions were on third and long. Yeah. So 10 of his interceptions, of his 17 interceptions came with at least 10 yards to gain getting to Patrick's point about long situations and 8 of them came on third and long and the Cowboys were in third and long 44% of the time. So, yeah. yeah, less third and long less Dak will be exposed and the, you know he'll have high reward low risk plays as opposed to high-reward, high-risk plays like you got last year.
0: Yeah, and so I think that when you throw in they we're going to run the ball more, we make fun of it because it is one of those things where you go, well, how are you – like, you don't have the running backs. You already ran the ball a lot last year. That's why whenever he says it, we just kind of, you know, have mm-hmm. that that reaction to it. But in reality, I, you know, when you say run the ball more, that includes more in his – what you figure is includes more short passing. It includes, you know – Maybe a quicker pass out to a Tony Pollard or a Deuce Vaughn. Quick game and, and just get the ball out and get five or six yards. So if you throw it deep, you know you try and open that up, but you don't want to be stuck in the place where you threw it deep on first down, and then you get to third down and that puts you behind the chain so far that now you you really don't have many options. They can cover the middle of the field. I think that's more of the concept, but I mean yeah. we'll see. It's Mike McCarthy which, I mean, differing amounts of faith people have in him, I don't think anybody has the amount of faith that he's going to be the best offensive play caller
1: in the league. I, I, I think he I think he I think this is all about getting the most out of Dak. I think this is all yes. about big Dak energy. Where can I get that big Dak energy? And he's going to try to bring it out with more play-action pass. You brought up <clears throat> the, you know, trying to make sure you're in more manageable downs and staying ahead of the chains. That is big. To the textures point, Texter says, Cowboys ran the ball a ton on first down, first play of the drive. There was a Twitter account that tracked it. Uh, when they threw the ball on first down, they scored more often on the drive. There's so, that's totally true. Um, I went and looked at early down pass rate first and second in 2022. Cowboys were 26th. in 2020. So look at it. In 2021, they were eighth. So I don't know why their early down pass rate just cratered like that. That makes no sense at all. So that is also something that will help them to – the most effective passing down is first down. The most effective passing down in football is first down Yeah, because the defense thinks you're running.
0: Unless you yeah. have run the same type of call, play calling for the last several years and you have to change things up, which may be a reason why you move on from your offensive coordinator because you say, yeah, they, they know we're throwing on first down because we throw on first
1: down a lot. Uh, it could be, and maybe you just yeah. It could be just be he doesn't like the the play calling tendencies yeah. of Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore and Dak Prescott had the most unique and intimate relationship for any play caller and quarterback in the NFL, and it wasn't even close because no quarterback and play caller had a relationship where at one time Kellen Moore was higher on the depth chart than Dak Prescott. Then he got hurt. Dak gets the job. Then Kellen Moore becomes a uh, guy that's below him on the depth chart, and then he's just hanging out on the bench with, with uh, Dak and their teammates. Then he becomes the quarterback coach of Dak. Then he becomes the offensive coordinator and play caller for Dak. There is no relationship like that. So I think a lot of it was the Cowboys believe they become almost too intertwined. Yeah. That there needed to be more checks and balances in that relationship. And I think that's part of why Mike McCarthy's the man now too calling and in plays, and, and I don't disagree with that, even though I'm a Kellen Moore fan.
0: Yeah, and I think, yeah. you know, you put that into it of discussion and everything else, I, I'm i I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in how this team comes together uh, and how the play calling does work. We know, we've, we just said it, that Mike McCarthy wants to not get stuck behind the chains, but that's also a lot easier said than done yep. because once you get into it and you say, <laughs> okay, they know we're going to run it, all right, do we run it into that? And can we think up a, a uh, well-devised run play that's going to get us Tony Pollard, they just showed the stat on the TV that Tony Pollard averaged 5.9 yards per touch last year. That if you have a guy, they go, all right, man, if he can get us four on first down and put us at Mm -hmm. second and six. Well, now the defense has no idea what we're going to do on second down. Because now we can chunk it downfield. We can go ahead and pick up the first down. We can run it again. It gives us so many more options that, you know, the first down is the best passing down if you're completing the passes. Mm -hmm. once you're not completing it's the worst passing down because now you basically have two downs to pick up 10 yards and if you don't get on that second down your third down screwed and you better hope for a miracle and i think they just last year they had way too many times where it was a drive going and then all of a sudden you tried to get cute with it and you couldn't pick up the ground again you hope tony pollard is that guy who can get close to that 5.9 number again now it's going to go down dramatically because you're the every down back Mm -hmm. so those play calls that Zeke was getting that he should have been – he used to get three or four yards on and was getting one on. Though, yeah. you, though You're still going to take those and you're going to get two yards. There's going to be plays that you get hit for a loss a lot because you're going to try and do something fancier to get him to the outside. And they're just really good defenders in this league that are going to be able to bust through. But if you can get that first down – Yards per carry mm-hmm. for Tony Potter, Yards per touch. So whether it's that or is it just a little flare on the play action or something like yep. that. Quick game. If you can get that number around four.
1: Mm.
0: start at second and six. Second and six or more. Second, or second and medium.
1: List, second and medium to second right
0: and short. That right there changes everything for this team. And so that is the we run the ball more Mike McCarthy. That for me is what it means is we're not going to be on second and long and third and long.
1: If they, yeah, I agree with you. I, I said they can't run it more. They're like seventh in rushing attempts in the NFL. What are you gonna do? Said, you can't. You can become the Atlanta Falcons, but you ain't got Bijan. Speaking of Bijan. Um, I've been seeing a lot of highlight videos, uh, with Bijan in one on ones. Um, I mean, he looks fantastic, and no Longhorn fan is shocked that we all thought Bijan was going to go there and show out. This is exactly what he's doing. What I love to hear is that Arthur Smith is lining him up. And by the way, Arthur Smith has a new porn stash. Have you guys seen this thing? It is impressive. It's thick. It is thick and a little bit obscene. I mean, it's. In your face. And he says it's a lifestyle thing for him. So it's a worthy porn stash. But anyway, I digress. Uh, they're moving Bijan around the field. Like he's moving everywhere. They got him at wide receiver. He's lined up at a flex position, like right offset tight end. They've moved they've been in the backfield as a running back. Uh, they've even seen him in the Wildcat already. I mean, they just started training camp like a week ago and they, they moved Bijan around. The reason that Bijan's gone, if Bijan doesn't get hurt, If he doesn't get hurt, knocking on wood twice, he's going to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. It's the easiest money. I don't even know what the odds are right now. It's the easiest money you can make. He's going to win that Offensive Rookie of the Year. Just because not only of his talent itself, but the scheme. Nobody runs the ball more than the Atlanta Falcons. Nobody in the NFL. They ran the ball more than any team in the NFL last year. And they ran it on early downs. <laughs> um, 51% run rate, highest in the NFL, um, and the only team to run basically more than the more than half of their place. You know, you're talking about this and that was before Bijan. Before they got Bijan. Have they put Carterell Patterson? And this is why I love the offensive scheme for Arthur Smith. Because behind Kyle Shanahan's offense, It is the second I would say it is the second offense in the NFL that I can identify that is built around principles of positionless football. And channels is I mean, it's next level, right? Christian McCaffrey and Kittle and Juszczyk and Devo Sam. He's got four of those and they're all like the best potentially at their position and in the positionless realm, too. So he's got some force multipliers. But Atlanta's been building it in a very similar fashion. Arthur Smith has Cordero Patterson, who can play wide receiver and running back. He's got Kyle Pitts, who's a freaky tight end, who can play wide receiver and play tight end. You can move them all around. Now they got Bijan, who is extremely versatile. And I remember man Jeff Howe told me when he was you know being recruited by Texas, they said, oh, this kid Bijan can play wide receiver. And he would go to NFL as a wide receiver. Like he's he's that good. He's gonna play running back, but if he decided to focus on wide receiver, he would be an NFL caliber wide receiver. He could play H, the H position, the slot position for Texas under Tom Herman. He'd have been that good. I'm sure that's that's yeah. that's basically. And so I I do think that if he stays healthy, Bijan's gonna win Offensive Rookie of the Year just because of that. The system and his skill set are so compatible. It's built around positionless football. He's a modern-age positionless football player, and nobody wants to run the rock like Atlanta.
0: No, and I mean the fact that you gave the stat earlier this year about how many times they kept running the ball down Oh, in man, the fourth quarter, that stat will blow your mind. Of, it is. Of uh, that, it, you know, when you talk about stats for a running back, when you say, "Oh no, they're still going to run it in the fourth quarter," even though they may be down. When you look at the lineup of the team and you go, "Well, they have a lot of talent, but they don't necessarily have a quarterback." Mm-hmm. Well, that means you are going to run the ball more, and in important situations, you are going to try and get the ball to your best player, who your best player at this point may be B. John Robinson. So, yeah. yep, I, I yeah, I think that it is. All hands on deck because where I'd say Alkamer Jameer Gibbs as a type of player who's a really good player, he is on a team with a lot of other weapons. He is on a team that had a lot of success last year, and all of those factors that mean he is going to be added in. Bijan Robinson was drafted to be the guy on this team. There, that's there's a large gap between why those guys were drafted to do what they did. Jameer Gibbs, like, hey man, we already have a system that works. We think if we put you in, it'll upgrade and Atlanta said, we have this system. You're the guy. You're you you not only the keys to the ignition, you're the engine, you're the seats, you're the exterior, you're the wheels, you're the tires, you're everything. We need you to go, and then we'll have other pieces to add on to it, and Algiers will still be a part of it, and Cordell Patterson will still be a part of it, and hopefully Ritter takes a step forward as a quarterback when we get the ball to Kyle Pitts, and uh, and uh, I can't remember the wide receiver's mm-hmm. name. Uh, Drake London. King, yeah, Drake London. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully we can get them all going, but at To start it off early in the season, it seems like it's going to be mostly Bijan.
1: Oh, I think they yeah. I I think they're actually going to showcase Bijan early on. Uh, Why wouldn't they want him to you know win Rookie of the Year? Uh, The management, or I should say, the ownership. Well, management because talking about the GM here. um, They uh, when they were asked about Bijan, Arthur Smith said, "Uh, "We're pretty damn pleased with Bijan so far. Uh, The way we use him, I think, is different than most. Just philosophically, with guys all over." And he's right about that. Nobody's going to use Bijan the way maybe Shannon would <laughs> in San Fran. Other than him, nobody's going to use him uh, the way, uh, the multifaceted way that Arthur Smith and Atlanta is going to use him. Another quote from um, Bijan, obviously I do a lot of different things and maybe a lot of running backs are starting to do. For me, I'm a player that loves to give an opportunity to, to my offense, whether it's me lining up at wide receiver or me lining up in the slot or trying to get off to an opportunity to maximize ourselves. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Bijan, I, I I can't wait. I gotta start watching Atlanta games now. I gotta go find Atlanta games. I want to see how they use Bijan. I think it's gonna be really, really interesting. And I don't think it's uh I don't know if it's some kind of grand prognostication. I do think he's gonna win rookie of the year. It's so, offensive rookie of the year in the NFL. And the stat you're talking about, this is how dedicated Atlanta is to running the ball. Uh, they ran the ball 48.8% of the time when playing from behind. That's 5 percentage points more than any other team in that situation. So even when they were playing from behind, they had a game against Cincinnati in Week 7. Uh, and they were down. I think they ended up losing 35-17 to 17 or something. Uh, Atlanta passed the ball just 13 times. It was the second fewest in a game of uh of basically of that uh, of that week, second fewest in a game, um, and they trailed by at least two scores for over 80 percent of the time. 18 points they trailed by in the fourth quarter. They still only threw it 13 times. That's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. Like that. That that just lets you know he's stubborn about wanting to run the rock. They want to run the rock fewest shotgun snaps in the NFL on first down. They don't care if you know they're running. That's why they drafted Bijan that high. Alright, we come back. We'll get into some Steve Sarkeesian audio. He spoke to the media at the uh, introductory press conference for a training camp for Texas. They'll start practice tomorrow. We'll hear from the head coach on the other side right here on Ball Don't Lie on
2: 104.9 It's only a kick. A jump. A block. I'm not gonna take this anymore! Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real! My God! Okay, it's happening! Everybody stay calm! Let's oh, listen. you've done it now. It's time
0: for Rod's oh. rant of the day.
1: Hold on to your butts. All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Um, time to get to some of the Steve Sarkeesian sound. He had his uh, introdu- introductory press conference for a Texas training camp. They'll start practice tomorrow, so he addressed the media today, and we have some of that audio. The, the, the I think the one that's going to go the most viral and get the most attention uh, will be when he was asked about the themes. And if I'm not mistaken... I believe my man Will Matthews might have asked this question, if I'm not mistaken. But
0: I I can huh? believe it. It's the last one, and Will usually gets the last does,
1: one. Does Will get the last yeah, so, okay. so I could believe that. All right, so I believe it was Will Matthews who asked the question. So good on Will, who basically asked Sark about, hey man, what are your themes of the season? And that makes sense because he's a Mac Brown guy. And Mac Brown had a theme every year. Every year had a theme. Remember, I guess technically Sark had a theme his first year. All gas, no breaks. What was the theme last year? It, I don't know if it was all gas or brakes. I think yeah. they shut that down. It's a classic car. It's <laughs> yeah. going to take a minute. Y'all be patient. Y'all be patient. Yeah. I think they were like, you know what, we'll, we'll forget about the themes until we get this thing back on track. And so this year, back to the themes, um, Will Matthews asked them, hey, Coach, what's your theme for this year? Uh, here's what Sark had to say.
2: Well, I think one thing, and I've said it before, I think this team's on a mission. I, I, they, they've taken this mindset of, of being on a mission. They've... Uh, They've kind of adopted the John Wick mentality. Uh, I know that that uh, Quinn has touched on and, and Jordan has touched on, and um, that, that they've 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 really focused. And I think that's probably the thing. It's like, man, they, they want to go do this. They want to be focused on the task at hand. Um, I think that they've they've kind of assumed this mentality of embrace the, embrace the hate. Like, we get it. We're the University of Texas. We get it. This is our last year in the Big Twelve well, we can sit there and be a punching bag or we can go attack the people that we're going to play. And I think that they've assumed that responsibility to say, hey, we're going to go after everybody else too. And so that, I think that that's the right mentality to have.
1: All right. Now this is the second reference by the two know, faces of the Texas football program right now. Got the head coach right before training camp making the John Wick reference. Unsolicited, by the way. Nobody was like, hey, you seen John Wick? You, you, you're a John Wick fan. No, nobody brought up John Wick. Nobody brought up John Wick to him. Just asked him about the themes of the year. He's like, uh, but John Wick. I'm like, okay. Okay, coach. And at Big 12 Media Days, his quarterback, my quarterback. He also, with unsolicited, just being asked about why and how you deal with the, the target on, you know, always on you if you're Texas football, especially this year when you're picked to finish first in the Big 12 by the media, expectations sky high. How do you deal with that target being on you? Here's what, Quinn, Ewers said at Big 12 media days.
0: I mean, I think there's always a target on our back, but I kind of, there's also a target
2: on the opponents that we're playing. We, we put a target on them. Um, it's kind of like uh, John Wick. You know, he's being hunted, but at the same time, he's hunting those guys as well. All
1: right. There we go. So now it's official. I predicted it when I heard Quinn Ewers say that. I said, oh, now the unofficial mascot for the 2023 season for Texas football must be John Wick. T-shirts, whatever. You make memes, gifs, put Quinn Ewers' head on John Wick's body, whatever you want to do. The media department over there that does imaging and does all the graphics, they're fantastic. I'm sure they can come up with something clever to make a John Wick reference. So there you go. Run. I, I think they, they want us now to promote this as the unofficial mascot for 2023 for Texas. And if you watch the movies, no spoiler alert here. I don't like to spoil things for people. All right. I watched, actually, I watched full disclosure um, and confession. I watched all four John Wicks this past weekend and I watched them all like, boom, in order one, two, three, and four. Back to back to back to back. They didn't even take a break, really fantastic it was great it was awesome but one of the themes of the movie that does fit Texas and maybe this is why they're connecting with John Wick is John Wick keeps being there's a question that people keep asking John Wick because everybody wants to draw him back into his old life won't spoil anything Um, but John Wick's trying to fight that and Texas everybody wants to ask Texas a, a question as well about Texas whether they're coming back not to the old life to the old standard of Texas football, which was playing for championships and winning double-digit games. So much like John Wick, Texas also has to answer that question. People keep asking if I'm
0: back, and I haven't really had an answer. But now, yeah,
2: I'm thinking I'm back.
1: All right, is Texas back? Well, be careful there, but hold on. Last time we got carried away with that, shout out to my man, Lifetime Longhorn Sam Ellinger. We love him, but that was a little premature. Wasn't back. So, this year, we'll see. I you told you, we were back. We were. We just left again. <laughs> like that Homer Simpson yeah. gift. Yeah, we, we were back. Well, no, right. no, it's a, I think it's Abe Simpson, the Abe Simpson or the dad. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we were back. We just left again. Real quick, like, real, real quick. quick. quick like. Yeah. <laughs> just, just popped in for a visit. Gotta go.
0: <laughs> it was a quickie. Um, we were yeah. like, it was like Will Smith's dad and Fresh Prince. Wow. What episode? The one where he came back the and more, then left again.
1: Yeah, he did. The why one episode, well, and
0: we all along for Sat there, go, why don't we? Have, why don't he want me, man? And who was it that played his dad? I don't did, remember.
1: Wasn't the guy from Good Times? Was it him? What was it was it the dad? I don't from, know. Was it him?
0: I don't remember who. I don't remember.
1: Him. I don't think like who was the dad because he had one episode. Like he I the say, one episode. Was I want to say it was the dad. See, from if Good you Times. can
0: watch that and not cry.
1: No, I did not cry. I did not cry. Did not cry when he said, "Why don't he want me?" I swear it was the dad (laughs) from Good Times. What was his name? I could be wrong about that. Anyway, maybe I'm just misremembering, which happens. Okay, let's play another piece of audio here. And this one's really good because Patrick and I were talking Texas football earlier, and uh, Patrick pointed out this piece of audio that really does kind of encapsulate um, what Sarks, what the next step needs to be for Sark what the really right now the obstacles are for Sark for reaching the next level of being a great coach. Because right now, he's above average. Nothing wrong with that. For now. This is the year where he takes the leap. Um, here is Steve Sarkisian being asked about the improvements that need to be, uh, the basic improvements that need to happen for the coaching staff and for he himself
2: as well. You, you look at where were we not as good as we need to be, and I look at last year and I look at two years ago. It's okay. So if we're not if if we're this really good game planning team and we got players buying in and preparing and going out and executing a plan for the first two three quarters of the game, how do we get to a point to where we continue that and not have those lulls to where games are closer than maybe we would like them to be. Um, that's the first part the second part is then how do we execute in those tight games and I think that we made strides as a staff a year ago um, of finding a way to to do what we're doing well that day uh, to perform and to go win and you know whether it was the Baylor game whether it was a Kansas State game finding ways in those games to execute to to perform but I'm always hunting for, to be better and because ultimately you know change is inevitable you either get better or you get worse in this game as a coach as a player whatever that is and so we always hunt for those types of things you know schematics are schematics I never try to sit still I never say hey this is our system and we're never going to do anything different we're always hunting for those things to do better I'm always hunting for ways to connect with our team uh, from a cultural standpoint and developing great relationships to motivate our players I'm always you know Looking for ways to, to motivate the staff to keep them engaged, um, and and is my messaging right? You know, when you, when you go through 12 months of looking back at your messaging, were those the right messages week to week to instill confidence in our players, but yet but yet motivate our players to be the best that they can be? So that's that's a constant evaluation um, for me, and and naturally. Um, I'm my hardest critic, you know, I, I know you guys think you are, uh, but, but I'm, I'm pretty hard on myself. Um, and I'm pretty hard on myself on Sundays, you know, even after sometimes a great win, I'll look back, like I could have done that different next time. If this comes up and I, and I'll ask the staff, what'd you think about this decision here? What about this play call here? Would would we do something different? Um, because I, I try to put as much in my bank, right. Of tools to, then be able to go pull from if and or when something similar comes up again. And so I um, I, I self-evaluate a lot, and I'm, I'm very comfortable in doing that and talking about it because, hey, at the end of the day, my, I just want to be at my best for our players and, and to make sure that they have an opportunity to go achieve the things that I know they want to achieve.
1: All right, there's a lot of meat on that bone, but it does, it does show you um, that, Sark is he's being honest about the that, that man in the mirror moment he needs to have as a coach where he can evaluate a self-evaluate and self-scout and determine whether he his decisions helped or hurt his team. And if he was in a position to give his team an advantage that they did not have. And help his team win a game. I've said this about Sark, and I, I, it's not like Sark. And Sark, Sark is an above-average score. I think he's around fifty-five percent win percentage. But name me the game last season where you can identify the strategy, the tactic, all right, or no, just the play call, whatever it may be, where you think Sark gave his team a schematic advantage, tactical, strategic, whatever that won, helped win them the game. The last one I remember, honestly, was 2021 K-State when they had all the injuries. Bijan was hurt, quarterbacks were hurt, and they ran the wildcat most of the damn game and just kept pounding the wildcat. And it was, it was simplistically brilliant. Just kept running the wildcat. It was effective? Why not keep running it? They can't stop it? Hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. This season, although Iowa State, Baylor, um... Hell, maybe even the Kansas game. There are some games you won where you made a decision. I don't, I don't know if the to me kind of the easy decision of giving the ball to Bijan and Rojo, if that is considered the schematic, tactical, or strategic advantage that the coach gave them. That was just common sense. It's like, no, give it the ball to Bijan and Rojo. Your offense isn't working. That's that is the easiest way to remedy that problem. Remember what I told you, what was my theme for last year? What did I say the theme was? Put some Bijan on it with a side of Rojo. That's 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 your that's your offensive of identity. That's the game plan. Put some Bijan on it with a side of Rojo. There are times Sark lost sight of that. So this season for Sark as a as a head coach, I need to find a, a game. I need to find a situation. Where I can identify as a football theorist, oh, Sark when won his team that game with this strategy, this tactic, this scheme. And I haven't, I didn't see it last year. They, they improved, but I didn't see that. If you think you can give it to me, give it to me, because I didn't see that. And that's what we're going to need for Texas to be a conference championship contender or for Texas to be a double digit win team. I give you the example about Joey McGuire all the time. Joe me the money, the Texas Tech head coach. Texas Tech went for it on fourth down more than any team in in all of college football. Maybe any team in the history of college football. They went for, attempted 52 fourth downs. And when you do the math on their fourth down conversions, they converted fourth downs that extended drives that led to 129 points. Um, But when they had turnover on downs and they gave the football up, the opposing team had drives that led to 44 points. Do the math, 85-point profit for Texas Tech. Last season, which amounts to around six and a half points per game that the extreme strategy of Joe, me the money got for his team because he figured, man, we're tech. We had a lot of disadvantages. We got a lot of holes on this roster. We need I need to give us an advantage we don't have. We need to roll the dice. We need to take risks and hope that, you know, the the football God shine upon us or lady luck is on our side. And that's exactly what they did. They were a riverboat gambling every damn game. And look at how many games they had that were tight. They beat U of H by three. Uh, They beat Texas by three in overtime, both those games in overtime. They beat Iowa State by four points. They beat Oklahoma by three points. I can say quantifiably, I can identify, oh, Jordan McGuire's scheme, his strategy, his tactics won them a couple of games. And that's the difference between them being a six win team and being an eight and five team. That strategy beat Texas. It was this strategy that beat Texas, and Sark had to match which with that guy. And instead of playing the hand, instead of playing the man, he played the hand. Sometimes you gotta say, "I can't play the hand. I gotta play the man." Because that man, he came there with a on a mission, with a purpose, and he was going for it on fourth down, no matter what the hell the yards to gain were. And Sark picked that up a little too late. So I, it, that's to me, that's what I want from Sark. I need to find specific examples of him changing strategy changing tactics, um, you know, tweaking scheme, and that helping Texas win a game. And that is why in the fourth quarter, Texas, last season, was actually outscored in the fourth quarter. Imagine being outscored in the fourth quarter with the, the best running back combo in college football.
0: Defense playing as well as they've played in
1: years. Defense is a top thirty defense, and you're getting outscored in the fourth quarter. You were, you and you lost five games. In four of those five games, you failed to outscore your opponent, or you were outscored in the fourth quarter. There were some games just a push, like T, uh, You go look at it, TCU. You guys scored the same amount, so it's a push. But you know, you go look at uh, some of those other contests. Oklahoma State outscored by fourteen points in the fourth quarter. Um, you go look at Texas Tech outscored by ten points in the fourth quarter. You've outscored your opponents by 179 points combined in quarters one through three. But the fourth quarter in overtime, outscored by 12. There you go. And in four of your losses, you could not win the fourth quarter. Four of your five losses. There you go. So yeah. for, for Sark, the same demon is haunting his tenure here at Texas. And the demon is you need to become a fourth quarter team. and includes the coaching. The coaching ain't ain't going all four quarters, and the players aren't playing hard for all four quarters. Their focus doesn't extend through all four quarters. You're not a fourth quarter. You're not a four quarter team. You want to be a fourth quarter team, but you want to be a four quarter team as well to play all four quarters. You're playing two and a half, and last year you played three. That's great. That's progress. Hell, you had so many blown leads in 2021. They set records because you were only playing like the first half, two quarters. You're playing the script. You were playing the script. Yeah, quarter to half. Now you got three quarters. All we need this year is the fourth quarter. There you go. Your theory is it, it goes back to John Wick too. Yeah, John Wick 4.
0: We only had, what, two John Wicks two years ago? That's why dude. It's all about how many John Wicks there are.
1: Every time they I'll tell you John that, if they come out with
0: another John Wick, you're not going to be able to stop us in overtime.
1: John Wick 5. College football playoff, baby. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> All right, uh, we'll come back. We'll get into. Oh, that's actually a Justin Verlander trade. The trade deadline has expired. It has come and gone. So we'll discuss that. What the uh, Rangers did and what the Astros did. Also, we got to talk about the Pac-12 media deal. There's some buzz about it right here on Ball Line. One Nine Horn. back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Okay, so this Apple Pac-12 streaming deal that is reportedly in the works. Apparently the money is going to be projected to be below what the Big 12 you know, revenue sharing deal for every school is, which I believe is at thir- a little under around $32 million, somewhere around there. Every sc- and the, the Colorado got... Revenue sharing. Uh, they, I believe, they got it immediately upon becoming a member or future member of the Big Twelve, so they can enjoy those uh, the those profits and that revenue immediately. So I think it's around thirty two million. So whatever the new deal is for the Pac twelve, and I don't know if it's finalized, but reportedly it is a deal with Apple. It is mostly a streaming deal. Um, there's, it's a very incentive based deal as well because it is partially based on subscriptions and streaming numbers. I suppose some of the kind of old broadcast deals. Um, so that I believe could start another this could start another group of teams leaving, exiting the Pac-Twelve, because I think they were waiting to see if Klyovkov was gonna bring a deal to the table, a media rights deal that could compete with the Big Twelve deal. And if it can't compete or even meet that that Big Twelve number, which I said is around thirty-two million per team, or sorry per program, then I think Arizona, Arizona State, potentially a Washington, Oregon, uh, could all look for greener, straight cash homie pastures, meaning Big Ten or Big Twelve.
0: Yeah, I mean, and look, I, I get soccer is worldwide. Yes, most watched. I, I get all that in America. If you are trying to tell me (laughs) that you're in college football and you are trying to get on the same platform that American soccer is on, Mm. I think you have misjudged how popular college football is in this country.
1: Mm, Could be.
0: And I get it, but nobody, like, you're not, you don't, you, first of all, you lost USC. So for getting the big name out there who you're going to get people to subscribe to, you just don't have
1: any. You don't have that.
0: So you are only talking about Pac-12 people buying this at this point. So you're saying to our audience, which if you're any of those schools or any of those people trying to recruit or anything, you're like, so my recruit can't watch the game unless they pay me to watch it? Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Ooh. Why do I want to do that? Or I can go to this other one where I, the games will be on. Every, you know, so there's going to be sports bars who don't have this. Because they don't want to pay for Apple TV, because they don't care about Pac
1: twelve. I know, and I have Apple TV, but you you about to get a separate yes. package with this because I, I don't get all the MLS games. I get a couple of them. They like, yes, tease me with a couple, but I have to buy the package to watch Messi or stuff like that. Yeah,
0: no, it's it's ridiculous. And so I, I we were joking about them doing a streaming and per. It's, I if that was really the best deal you could come up with, and the, I get that Fox and ESPN are like, well, we already paid a bunch of money, and we're not going to put you on the. Prime games because we don't have, you don't have the prime game, and even and once you do, I mean, were we signing a twenty-year deal, that you're hoping to build up Oregon and Washington and all these programs to be top-tier programs if you can keep them. But no, but even if you said, even if you said we signed this long-term, it's going to take you five to ten years to even, hopefully, get those names up there. I just there isn't a program in the Pac-12 that makes you really, really, really want to buy that program by a provider just for that.
1: I'm with you. I don't know what the Pac-12 is going to do. We'll talk more about it on the other side. But if that's the deal that is going to be a streaming deal with Apple, there's no way they're going to meet the number that the Big 12 has already got for their revenue-sharing deal, which means we may be looking at the the end of their status as a Power 5 conference. So there'll still be a conference. The Pac-12 will still be around. They just may be dropping down to G5 status, which... That's a serious demotion. We'll come back. We'll discuss that. We'll also get into the Justin Verlander trade. So now the trade deadline has passed. We know what the Rangers and the Astros have done. So we'll talk about that, that arms race happening right now in that division. Astros got a chance to catch the Rangers right now, just a half a game back. We'll discuss that. Also, more NFL news, notes, and nuggets. we got a ton to get into. And we'll throw in some more Sark audio as well. we got a lot more Sark audio so we can talk some Texas football too. All that more right here on Ball Don't Lie on The Horn.